beware the armadillo. <laughs> you can you can come there we go. Thanks thanks Malcolm, I appreciate that. So Frankie's pappy gave him that advice. Beware the armadillo. Frankie always wondered why his pappy, who usually gave great advice, would give such weird advice. One day, Frankie was out in his regular stomping grounds, and lo and behold, he spotted, you'll never guess, an armadillo. This one didn't seem to be paying very close attention. He was walking kind of slow-like. And so Frankie got the thought in his mind, I bet I could catch that armadillo. He remembered what his pappy said, but he was just a little armadillo. (laughs) So he snuck up behind it, And because it wasn't looking his way, he grabbed it. And it kicked, and it tried to move its head around, and it tried to bite him, and it, but he just held on to it, and he got the best of it. Now, Frankie was no monster. He didn't want to hurt the thing. He was just having, having a little bit of fun. So, of course, he let the armadillo go after a moment, and the armadillo ran off to whatever armadillos go and do. But Frankie wondered about his grandpappy's advice. Hmm. Doesn't seem to be much to worry about with an armadillo. Didn't hurt me at all. I didn't hurt him either. We just had some fun together. But wouldn't you know it? A couple weeks later, This is where I'm going to use my second sermon illustration. A couple weeks later, Frankie started to notice ashes on his arm. Itchy at first, but then the strangest thing happened. You'll never guess what. They stopped itching. In fact, he couldn't feel his skin on his arms anymore. And then on his other arm. And then over more and more of his his hands. He thought there was this rash and his skin was numb. He went into the doctor. And uh, the doctor said, Frankie, you have Hansen's disease. What's that, said Frankie. Well, said the doc, They used to call that leprosy. You haven't been handling any armadillos, have you? (laughs) I just wanted to tell a funny little story about that because it gets us... The the illustration of Hansen's disease or what used to be called leprosy, which thankfully now is completely curable, is actually a really good illustration of the issue we want to talk about today. 
Um, and, and how, like, cause the, see, the, the problem with, with Hansen's disease, and we'll just call it that, is, um, is, is that your body parts, or, or it's, it's a, it's a bacterial infection that compromises the nerves in your body. And so the real problem with it isn't so much that you have rashes over your body. It's the fact that your body, that you cannot feel parts of your body anymore. That's why in the Old Testament and back in ancient times before they had antibiotics, leprosy was an incredibly feared disease. And people who were leprous, who had what we now call Hansen's disease, would, I mean, they, their, their bodies would over time be falling apart. Not so much because the disease tore their bodies apart, but because they couldn't feel things. Can you imagine trying to cook when you can't tell whether or not the, the, you know, the, the pot that you're holding on to is hot or not? And what can happen the, the first day you get that wrong? Now, we're in a series called I Believe in the Church Again. We're, we're looking at some of the things that... Um, well, end up being real frustrations in the modern church. So we've looked at things like, like hypocrisy and gossip and judgmentalism. Well, today I want to look at this thing that is, um, well, it's, it's, I don't know if it's so much specific to the church as much as it is this, this issue in culture that I'm sure you've noticed. I'm sure you have felt this. And, but it's this cultural issue that, that affects the church in really significant ways. that turns the, the modern church into something that feels um, more like a consumer event than a community. Where for most people, their initial contact with the church, and this is totally understandable, but sometimes we get stuck there, this idea of, of what's in it for me. And we kind of expect our, our church environments to be like our retail environments that are kind of tailored to our specific needs. And we look at churches and evaluate churches from what can I get out of it as opposed to what can I contribute to it. This idea that church is first and foremost about me. Now, you've, you've probably um, noticed this in all sorts of different settings. I, I was at a, uh, I'm, I'm on one of a denominational board, and I was with that group yesterday, and I had them do this little exercise I was doing, as I was doing the devotional. I had, it was a room full of people, I had everybody open up their smartphones, which of course you didn't bring your phone to church, so it's fine. But they, they brought their phones to the meetings. And I, and I said, open up your news app. And, and we're going to go around the room and everybody tell, tell each other what the headline is on your news app. Like whatever device you are looking at the world through, what's the most important thing going on in your world right now? And, and of course, as it went around the room, the thing that was so interesting is even there with a room of about 25 people, everyone had a different answer. Now, there were some that were similar, where, the, I mean, it was a similar issue, but different headlines, and you can kind of tell as you go around the room, you know, who, who where world, some people had, had a world event, often, often something related to the, uh, you know, the recent earthquake in Turkey and Syria. A bunch of others had a sports thing at the top. 
I ended up having a music story at the top, amazingly enough, to be honest. But nobody had the same headline. Isn't that interesting? That, that this little window into the world that, that, we, that we all have, or most of us have, and, all, and those of us who have one probably look at it more than we should. But as we do, every one of us sees something different. What's the most important thing going on in the world? Well, what my device is tailored to is what is the most important thing that Andrew is interested in that's going on in the world right now? Which is why there was some article about uh, a guitar player, actually. (laughs) Our devices are tailored to our individual Wants and needs. Um, I, I've wondered, have you ever wondered whether, whether your phone is like listening to you? Okay. I've, because, you know, you're, you're having a conversation about something and then a couple days later, like an ad for the same thing shows up on the phone. Now, maybe it is that our tech companies are lying to us and they're actually listening more than they tell us. But if what they're telling us is true and the fact that they don't actively listen to us Actually, that, that possibility is even more terrifying. Because what that means is that they've actually been successful in doing what they have sought out to do from the very beginning, which is gather so much inf- individual information about each of us that it not only can respond to what we ask for, but it knows from our previous patterns what we are going to want in the near future. That's what they are trying to do. Isn't, yeah, we live in an odd time, don't we? There's a, there's a, there's a spirit of hyper-individualization in our culture. We see it in our devices. But we also see it just in culture in general that because the world, our information world, our events world, our media world is tailored to us individually, we start to think that um, our own individual worldview is the only one that matters. Our own individual ethics is the only one that matters, that you and you alone can speak into your identity and who you really are. It's all about you. Now, an emphasis on the individual is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, like the, the um, upholding of the individual is a deeply Christian idea, but it's one that is held in tension with this larger picture of an individual in community. Now, you may disagree with me on this, but I actually think that hyper-individualization, the emphasis on the individual at the expense of the community, is actually one of not only the cultural forces moving around us, but the spiritual forces moving around us. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, I think it might be, you can disagree with me, I think it might be one of these. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, friends, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, however it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Now, I I don't doubt that spiritual warfare is more than just the cultural trends around us, but I also think it's not less than the cultural trends around us. And so the scriptures tell us when when we're facing these things, these, these worldviews around us that tell us to think in ways that are contrary to the scriptures, we need to figure out how to stand our ground. So today we're going to look at a passage that, that tells us the bigger picture of, of how God views individuals. And I hope it's also going to equip us to stand our ground against hyper-individualization, against this focus on me at the expense of we. You ready to go on a journey with me? Yes. Nod your head? Yes. All right. I'll pull out the aardvark again if you need, if you need me to get your attention. Again, we could, we could, we could pull them out. We're going to be looking at this, at this a passage that for many of us is kind of familiar. You might have even learned this one in children's church. It's a great, great illustration of... Um, of, of what it means to be part of, well, it, it introduces this metaphor, what it means to be part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. If you've got your Bibles open, open them up with me. If not, you can just look up and we can read it all together. So Paul writes to the church in Corinth, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is, with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. In other words, no matter what ethnic group you are a part of, whether slave or free, whatever economic group you are part of. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now the foot should not say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but how many bodies? Just one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The foot, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the the parts that are unpresentable, they're treated with special modesty. While the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part 
rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each of you, the scripture says, is part of it. Isn't that good news? So here's a few things that we can take away from that today. First is this is the diversity. Diversity among people groups. Diversity among abilities. Diversity among capacities. Diversity among eagles versus chief fans. Versus people who don't really care. They're just waiting for the halftime show. Versus those who are really concerned about the halftime show. They're going to be, whatever it is. But diversity is God's design. He didn't all make us the same. And that is a gift. We need all the different parts of the body. All of them. It tells us that unity, the kind of unity that God is designing or wants and longs for the church, that unity is not uniformity. We don't all need to be the same. Because in all our diversity, we are being led together. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 tells us something about this, or just makes really, really clear something about this metaphor, this illustration that may not be clear in our first reading of it. Colossians 1, chapter 18, and he, meaning Christ, is the, what is he? He's the head of the body, the church. So you and I, we're all body parts, but we're not, you're not, I'm not the Head. Who's the head? Christ. Christ Christ is the head. Jesus is the head. And that also tells us something really, really important about one another. And here's, here's where I just can't help but wonder if even back in ancient times, as Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, if he didn't either have some knowledge of like human physiology or maybe the spirit just, it so inspired him that even even though he may not personally fully understand it in that moment medically, um, this, this illustration is still profoundly true. Take out, take out your fingers. You, you brought them with you? Wiggle them around a little bit. Think of all the things you've done with your hands today. Maybe you drove a car. Maybe you use your thumbs to text messages, your little fingers to text messages. Maybe you took out a pen or a pencil and you wrote something. All these incredible things that your amazing fingers did. Now, the the truth is your fingers, most of the time, do not communicate directly with one another, do they? Your fingers... When they work together so you can do things like type on your computer, move your mouse around, drive your car, do important things like play the piano, or or throw a football. Your fingers are getting... The information from your fingers, what they're feeling, the hot, the cold, the movement, 
that information goes somewhere. Where does it go? It goes to your brain. The reason why your fingers can work together is because all the information goes through the head. Let's think about that a little bit together. See, that tells us that our connection with God, that we're sending information to the head, we're talking to the head, we're listening to the head, our, our connection with God is actually our strongest connection to one another. If you and I, we are all different parts of the same body, our most important relationship is with the head. You might really, really love your thumb. I promise it will not get better if you surgically remove your thumb. You could put it in a glass case and put it on the mantelpiece and light it up beautifully. And you would, you would, you would regret it. I'm, actually, I'm regretting this illustration right now. <laughs> but the reason why you would regret it and why I'm regretting this illustration right now is, be, is because we know intuitively that what makes your thumb amazing, why you can, you, can, you can text at lightning speed, some of you, is because your thumb is connected to the head. Yeah? Study after study shows that the more connected we are, the happier we actually are. In fact, one of the things we try to do in, the, in, in our church, when, there's, a, there's a phrase that we use. Um, it's, if those of you who are part of our membership class last week, you heard this, but I mean, this shows up in a lot of our stuff. It's the idea that our hope is that, is that if you're part of Columbia Grove for any amount of time, is that we want every person to have a few Christian friends that they could call at 2 o'clock in the morning and not need to apologize for it. The more connected you are to other people, the more connected you are, the happier you are. I was in a... I was in a um, it's a learning group. It's a cohort group I was in, in this week. And there was a speaker presenting there that was talking about depression. There is a group in the United States that has, statistically speaking, the lowest levels of depression compared to any other people group. They've charted it. Anybody want to guess what that group might be? See, all of us in our group would guess wrongly. I, I, I thought it might be athletes because they're active. You know, you get your endorphins up. Other, other people came up with other, other good ideas. What, what do you think? You're right. Way to go, Sarah. Wow. Okay. I'd like you to feel good that you're smarter than at least 20 pastors in a Zoom call. Okay? Right there. The, the, the group, the group, the demographic group in the United States with the lowest level of depression is the Amish. And, and, it, and it's not because of their dress code. <laughs> maybe it's because of, maybe it's because they're not using technology quite so much. But the core of it 
is because when you're Amish, you are part of a very, very strong extended community. Now, one of the other groups that tends to live the longest in just demographically in North America are people who attend church. And they live longer for the very same reason. The more connected you are, the happier you are. The more connected you are, the happier you are. That's why we, we form connection groups, why we encourage people to join connection groups of any sort, of any type. I mean, just make one up. It doesn't have to be one that's on our official charts or, you know, that we, that we have to make. Just find ways to connect. Make friends. And believe it or not, as we, as we form deeper connections of trust, of mutual appreciation, we're doing something that's actually relative to the culture around us, actually kind of countercultural. Because we're saying, my life is not just about me, it's about we, it's about the community around me. Now, I, I, I said that, um, you know, your fingers don't really talk to each other. They don't. Um, or they don't really communicate with each other. But there's, there is an interesting exception to that. And you've experienced this. Like, you ever go to the doctor's office and you do that thing with your knee? They get the little... What's that called? So, yeah, your reflex. That's right. It's a reflex. We, we've, we've, got these, we've got these little things built into our body that are essentially communication shortcuts. And I believe God designed us that way so that in very particular dire situations, body parts can communicate with one another without having to that, that extra time that it takes for the message to go all the way up to the brain and all the way back to the body part. That's why your knee jerks without you thinking about moving your knee just because there, there's a, a that, you know, your, your doctor's using that, that hammer thing, you know, so... Or, or maybe you've had that experience where you, 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 you touch a hot stove and, you, and your hand just jerks back automatically. That's a reflex. That's a reflex. When we are disconnected from the head, the only interactions we have are reflexive interactions, our knee-jerk reactions we just push that a little further. The more disconnected we are from the head, the less we are going to respond to one another and the more we are going to reflexively react. I don't know about you, but I, that metaphor that's speaking to me because like, I look at the culture around us. You ever watch social media? We're seeing a lot of knee-jerk reactions because, I believe, because we, not only individually too often, but corporately, are getting disconnected from the head. You see, if we're, if we're living as mutual body parts, our relationship with one another it's marked by care. 
that we are concerned for one another. We care about what's going on in each other's lives, but it's not marked by control. Because the one that controls the body parts isn't the other body parts. It's the It's the head. It's the head. Now, all of you, in one way or another, you walked into the room today. Isn't that cool? Just think of all that happened while you were walking into church. Your your left leg carried the weight of your body. Your, your inner ear was helping you balance. Your eyes were helping you balance. And then your other leg moved. And there was like, like thousands and thousands of things happening with every, every interaction. All of that information going through the head. And all, all that your right leg knew was, oh, I'm, here's, here's the muscle I'm moving. Here's what I'm feeling in terms of weight. Here's what I'm feeling in terms of hot, cold. If there's, you know, like, it's, it's sending all this nerve information up to your brain. And then your brain tells your left leg what to do. Your brain tells your right leg what to do. And all your, all your legs could do is trust the head. Trust what the head is telling the legs so that the legs could move together. The more we trust the head, the more we listen to the head, the better the body moves together. Isn't that brilliant? We do it every single day and yet we take it for granted. And yet this is an illustration of how the, how the body of Christ is intended to work, that we care for one another. We're not looking to control one another, but we are in community together because we are connected to the same head who is Christ. The more we trust the head, the better the body moves together. That who you are as a part of the body of Christ, it matters. Your diversity, your background, your capacities, your gifts, your skills, your preferences, your everything is, is a gift to each other. And the more that you and I and we are connected to the head, the better we will, the better off we are the more we can truly work together. Jesus is the key to healthy diversity. When we have Christ, we have everything that matters in common. Just imagine what can happen in a local church when we seek the head together. That's why the, our expressions of prayer together, they matter. That's why worship matters. That's why gathering together, and even for those that need to on, online, the fact that we are doing this together, it matters. 
You matter. Your individual gifts and skills, they matter greatly. And your individual skills, your individual part is part of something so much bigger than you. That's what our culture misses entirely. You and I, we are part of the body of Christ. That is good news. That is good news. That's why you matter. That's why we need each other. 